0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Ye alone is worthy. Amen. Thanks, Brother Tom. Thanks, everyone. We welcome everyone tonight to our Wednesday evening Bible study. So glad to have everyone in the house of God tonight. Our online congregation, we welcome you tonight. We do pray and hope that uh, before the services conclude tonight, someone will make up in their mind, in their heart, to get closer to the lord amen if there is ever a time we need to be closer it is now more than ever we're going to go to the lord in prayer as we pray tonight and ask the lord's will to be done in our service tonight amen i'm sure there's hands out there that need us to pray amen i'm probably going to invite everyone if you're able to just come to the front tonight if you're able to we're going to go to the lord in prayer tonight amen as we pray and ask the lord to help us to be in on one accord that it will touch us that it will give us direction, it will give us wisdom, will give us a pure heart and a pure mind that we His will will be done in everything that we do. Amen. Continue to keep our pastor in your prayer as you pray. Pray for each other, look beside you to your left or to your right, so as see who is next to you. And let's just pray together for each other as we pray tonight that the Lord's will will be done among us and keep us. Let's just go to the Lord and pray tonight as we pray. The hurt is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and day that dwell therein. Father God, we love you. We adore you. We honor you tonight, Lord God. He said, ye that, that dwelleth in the secret place of the most, High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God in you, I will trust, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing us together one more time in your presence tonight, Lord. To worship you, Lord God, to honor you, to give you glory, to give you praise. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done for us, Lord God, things so undeserved. As the scripture said, one thing have I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temper. Father God, we honor you tonight, Lord God. We thank you for bringing us here safely tonight, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for keeping us, Lord God. We thank you for giving us life and life more abundantly, Lord God. You are our keeper. You are our shield and our butler, Lord God. You are our brightest morning star, the fairest of 10,000. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, that you'll move among us tonight like never before, Lord God. Touch every person that is here tonight, our online congregation, Lord God, whatever their needs are. Oh God, I pray and ask you to touch them tonight, Lord God. Every person that is here among us tonight, Lord God. You know their individual needs, oh God. You promise you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord God. You say we should cast all of our cares upon you because you care it for us, Lord God. Father God, as we honor you tonight, Lord God, as we magnify your name. As we glorify your name, as we lift up your name tonight, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll move among us like never before, Lord God. Let there be an outpour of your spirit like on the day of Pentecost. As the scriptures said, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, just as of a rushing mighty wind. We ask you, Lord God, to move among us every pew, every chairs, touch every person that sits in these chairs, Continue to send us souls from the east, the west, the north, and the south, Lord God, release all the souls that are predestined for a church for such a time as this, Lord God. Father God, we pray, Lord God, for those that are not here tonight Lord God oh God those that are weak in their body we pray and ask you to strengthen them tonight Lord God those that need a refreshing, I pray that you will refresh them tonight, Lord God. Those who need a miracle tonight, Lord God, we ask you to work a miracle in their life, Lord God. Those who need a financial blessing, oh God, we ask you, oh God, that you lose all, oh God, the funds, Lord God, that is in store for us, oh God. For Lord God, we know you're a God that is able, Lord God, to keep us. Father God, as we pray tonight, Lord God, we honor you, Lord God. For as the scripture has said unto us, a child is born and to us the Son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. You are the mighty God, you are the everlasting Father, and you are the Prince of Peace. You are the one that we adore, you are the one that we worship, O God. For great are you and greatly to be praised, O God. You are the one that created the heavens and the earth. For without you, Lord God, we are nothing. For you promise you will never leave us nor forsake us. Oh God, and as we gather tonight, Lord God, we gather here, Lord God, to lift up your name, oh God, hoping in our minds tonight, open in our understanding tonight, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to take heed therefore into the words of God, oh God, that as the words go forth, Lord God, it will quicken us, oh God, it will cut us, Lord God, it will strengthen us, oh God, it will encourage us, Lord God, it will bind us together like never before, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll pour out like never before oh god blessing, lord god let it overflow lord god that we're not able to have room to contain it lord god i pray a continuous anointing up in the man of god i pray that you'll continue to bless him bless his home bless his family lord god bless every family in this place tonight like never before lord god <laughs> Unite us like never before, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you will keep us, Lord God. We ask your hands to continue to be upon us. Oh God, that whatever our needs are, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, to continue to meet us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for all the things that you have done, things so undeserved, oh God. You came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly, Lord God. And Father God, as we worship you tonight in this place, we ask you, Lord God, to move like never before, Lord God. We know there is power in the name of Jesus. We know there is salvation in the name of Jesus. We know demons tremble at the name of Jesus. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of all Lord. You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. You are the immutable God. You are the only wise God. And to you we bow down tonight, Lord God. We honor you, Lord God. We bow before you, Lord God. Because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of all. Oh God, you are the great I Am. Oh God, we honor you, Lord God, tonight. We ask you, Lord God, to have your way among us like never before. Oh God, we we Lord God, that you'll move in a miraculous way like never before, Lord God. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, you'll keep us, Lord God. Father God, we pray for the peace of Israel tonight, Lord God, that you'll touch those people, oh God, and the Gaza Strip tonight, Lord God. Those people that are in arms way, that you'll cover them. Oh God, be a shield of protection. Run about them and keep your people for such a time as this, oh God. We pray, Lord God, for the crisis in Ukraine, oh God, that, oh God, you'll protect your people, Lord Lord God, and that you will keep them, Lord God. Lord God, we pray for the direction of our country, Lord God, for our state, Lord God, for our leaders, oh God, that you have given unto us, Lord God. Give them a mindset, oh God, to honor you, to worship you, to seek your face in everything that they do, Lord God. For you are the one that have the answer and the control over our world today. And Father God, we ask you, Lord God, that we'll continue to look to you from whence come at our help, oh God. We We ask you, Lord God, that you may keep us, Lord God. Father God, we honor you tonight. We glorify your name tonight, Lord God. We commit the service in your hands tonight. And we ask you will to be done. As we say thanks for your blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause tonight. hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for another Wednesday being in your house. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord Jesus. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God for the church. If you would just take your time sometimes and just Pay attention. You will see how supernatural the church is. While I'm in the office over there, I'm studying, I'm reading, and obviously the Spirit of God is in me. The Spirit of God is everywhere. But when I walked in and you all are praying, I said something has changed. Because the, 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 the body of Christ, the church, is supernatural. Supernatural. And we always try to judge it and, and, and see it in, the, in a natural way. But while the church is made up of normal people like you and I, the church is supernatural. The church is powerful. And the church is like nothing else that exists. You cannot compare the church to anything that exists because there's nothing like the church. And when God has called His people together to be in His church, as He is the head of the church, there is nothing like it. And I pray to God that we not we will not take God's church for granted in just thinking that when we come into this building, uh, you know, we're just doing what we do, whether it's praying, whether it's singing, whether it's worshiping, whether it's ...preaching, reading the word of God and we just think it's just what we do. It's supernatural. It is not natural. And where the church is and what the church is all about, the world don't even understand it. And we have to realize that the church is not like anything else. And while we kind of know it's made up of natural materials such as us flawed humans... We have to realize the church is not natural. And while we go through pains and struggles and challenges in life, we have to still know this is not natural. It is supernatural. It is miraculous and it is spiritual. I said there's nothing to compare the church with. But I will give you a physical understanding in case you don't understand. You understand that if you study the Middle East and you look at all the different countries in the Middle East, you will realize the, 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 the small size of Israel as a land and as a people. And Israel have more enemies than she have uh, people that is for her. So the question really comes to mind if you're paying attention to these wars and these, you know, unsettled ways of uh, what's going on in the Middle East. If you ever stop to ask yourself, what's the big deal? Did you ever stop to think about that? Like, what is the big deal? Don't we just go on about our business the other day when Russia wanted to do what Russia wanted to do? It just did what it wanted to do. Why can't they just wipe out this little country, Israel? Because it's just not that big. It's, it's just not all of that. And if there's anything physical that I can show you that have, can give us just the inkling of understanding of what the church is like, Israel is that. Because they should be able to just wipe that place out, get rid of it, and take that fruitful land that says, Yes, we have the fruitful land, and now we're in control of all the different produce in the world. We will become great superpower because we have that that land that is so fruitful and so fertile and so wonderful. But why can't they do it? Because it's something more than what it is. And the church is not what we can see. It's more than what we think it is. I'm glad I'm a part of the church. I thank God for that. I will not take his church for granted. I know it's not just the building. I know that his church is supernatural. I know that when his people get together and we begin to worship and we begin to praise him, And we love one another and we interact with one another and we let God have all the glory from everything that we do. I know something miraculous and something supernatural is transmitting and transpiring and it has nothing to do with just the the, the natural things of people. It's all about God because he established the church. He is the head of the church. He is in control of the church. The church belongs to him. And everything about him is supernatural. I greet you tonight in the precious and wonderful name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Lord Jesus Christ. And I am privileged and honored to stand before you another Wednesday night to share his word. I do not take it lightly. I consider it a great privilege and uh, I am so glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. A lot is going on these days. A lot is going on. But when you have Jesus on your side and you are seeking the Lord and serving the Lord, everything is different. If you will stand with me, we're going to get into the Word of God, we're going to read a few passages of scriptures tonight. Uh, we will, we were, or we have been talking about growth matters, and that's kind of what our theme has been the past couple weeks. When I've taught, I've taught on growth matters, and it's important for us to reckon and realize that we need to grow. Um, I've talked about this many times. I will continue to talk about it. Um, I know it's a challenge to many of us because a lot of us are at a comfortable place in our life and we don't want to be uncomfortable. Um, but I can't say enough about this and I don't know how I can get you to respond to this, that many people want Jesus on their terms. Many people want Jesus on their terms. And that's it's 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 an oxymoron. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense. It's it's just I don't know where we come up with it. I know it's just probably from our way of being selfish and always want what we want. But it's not possible to have Jesus on our terms. It's not possible because if we were that good, then we wouldn't need Jesus. So if we need Jesus, it means that we're not good and we need Jesus to make us good, which means we need to operate on all of his terms to experience his results. I'll mention that word tonight again, results. But so we can't have Jesus on our terms and we're trying it and we're fighting it. And there's this this struggle. I think most of Christian struggles, especially in America, is not with demonic forces. Most of Christian struggles is with themselves because we're insisting on how it needs to look and how we want it to be, and we, without hesitation, is just working that way. And we're not getting what we expect or hope to receive of what we read in the Word of God, and we are frustrated. But the true answer to why we're frustrated is because we want Jesus on our terms that does not exist so until we give up and say alright Lord I want you and it doesn't matter what it requires I want you and I will not want I am not going to want you on my own terms because that's not possible so give me you however you want to give me you Lord Give me you however you want to give me you and I'll be okay and I'll be satisfied. Because I realize that I'm just going to stunt my growth. I'm just going to be stuck in a place and can't get moving forward as long as I'm trying to have you on my terms. Just can't happen. And so I pray to God that all of us will ask ourselves, because this includes me, because God is continuing to move in our lives. So every rung that we get to where we plateau, we will be there for a while, but God don't want to leave us there. So in every accomplishment that you experience as a Christian, that's just the stepping stone for the next thing that God is doing for you and to you to the next plateau that he will take you so there is no place in Christ where we're going to stay there forever until we experience eternity so as long as we are here in this place where time still exists where God is still given us the opportunity to 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 make our lives, more like his. As long as he's given us that opportunity and that time, it means we will never stay in one place forever. Growth must take place while we're here in the earth. Because none of us has arrived. None of us have been is 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 fully has fully completed The process of who we ought to be. That's according to God. That's not according to us. But if we have decided that I'm good, then you have made that decision and you have contradicted what God has for your life. If you decided you're good where you are, or even if you're saying it in an innocent way, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I've been at this for a while. I've been trying. I'm just worn out. I'm just tired. And you know what God will tell me to tell you? Come unto me. Ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. The Bible also talks about the Holy Spirit refreshes us. So for us to approach God and just play the pity party and get to the place where we want to use our psychology to him. I'm just tired. I've been at this for a while. God says I have an answer for that. So we don't have an excuse as to why we just need to stand pat and just keep on just existing. And wherever the wind blows us. Wherever the waves takes us, we are just good right there and we don't have to put any effort in. God is not going to allow that. You may allow that, but God will not allow that because we're going to our country of 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 of, of where we're from. Our 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 country where we are citizens. That's where we're on our way to. And unfortunately, since we've been away from that country, we don't understand what the citizens of that country are all about. So we have to learn what we need to be like as citizens of heaven. So we're on our way there. And God is trying to help us that when we arrive there, we're fully ready to embrace that life. We don't have the choice. Either we are going to... Willingly work with the Lord for him to change us or we can force our way of not having any change, but we risk losing out on eternity and what God has in store for us. So not there's not one of us here tonight that can really stand pat and says, I'm good. We just we're not. We're not. And so in John chapter 15 Verse number one, the word of God says, I am the true vine. You know, I read this many times, a lot of times. Some of you know this scripture just like I do or even better. And I've read this many times and I don't know why tonight true vine stuck out. True. It was always in my mind, he is the vine and we are the branch, I know. But for some reason, as I'm reading it tonight, it stuck out that I am the true vine. And because that stuck out, as I started reading, there are other emphases in the Bible about vine. And so because there are other emphases in the Bible that talks about vine, Jesus had to make sure we understood in this that he is the true vine. So all the other vines that exist, whether it's grapevine, he even named Israel the vine. And so there are things out there that's been called the vine, named vine. But Jesus wanted us to know he is the true vine. So he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband man. except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I pray that prayer all the time. Lord, I know without you I can do nothing. I, I pray to God we all get on board and realize that. Because, you know, it's hard for us sometimes when we don't think, uh, according to the word of God, we, we, we tend to kind of not see ourselves as we're nothing without Him, Because in our mind, you know, we feel like, you know, we have some abilities. We can do some things. We're not just total blanks or idiots. We can do some things. And so it's hard for us to say, without you, Lord, I am nothing. But I, 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 I encourage you. To understand that and start saying that. And maybe it'll help you a whole lot more than it has helped you to understand. Without him, we can do nothing. And I'm going to help you with that before we close out tonight. What that really boils down to. What it means that without him, we are nothing. For if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And is And is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they burn. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples." He says, when we bear much fruit, we shall be his disciples. Father, we thank you for your word and for the gathering of the body of Christ tonight here in this house, your house, that you have built and established for us. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. I submit to your authority, Lord, because without you, I am nothing. And, oh God, I am asking that you... Will Help us tonight that do you will do only what you want to do and that God we totally submit ourselves to you to say do what you will Lord for whatever you will. That's what we will respond to and receive and obey. For God, we want your will to be done. We want your kingdom to come. And we want to walk out of here tonight with the right mindset, with the proper perspective. And if, Lord, you see fit to just touch us like only you can, that miraculously something will just change or shift inside of us, then, Lord, let it be so. For we know there's a day coming where we will meet you in the air. There's a day coming, Lord, where we will cross over, Lord God, And we will enter into new Jerusalem. There's a day coming, Lord God, where we will no longer be here. And Lord, we want to all make it. Will you prepare us tonight in the word of God that we will be ready to meet you. That we will be equipped to to live this life that you've called us to. That we can grow and mature and be the disciples of Jesus Christ like you call us to be. Touch the hearts of your people tonight. Touch our ears and give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. Allow me to speak as your oracle that the word of God will go forth and have free course in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So we've been talking about growth matters. And with the text that we read tonight how about we just kind of subtitle this thing that uh, it's important. This is important. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Jesus did all things well. Somebody say amen. In turn, he informed us how to do all things well. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, so I got to tell you all to say amen every time. Jesus does all things well, we all say amen. Amen. Then I said that he informed us also how to do all things well. Remember, he was the best teacher. So if you've been on your job, the day that you got on your job, I understand that you didn't know how to do that job really good. But somebody trained you. Somebody taught you, and eventually you became good at it. Well, that person who taught you on your job and you became good at the job, they have—they can't even hold a candle to Jesus. So Jesus being our teacher, being the best, then guess what? As he teaches us, we ought to be the what? We like to lower the bar so we can look good. Nobody wants to step up, climb up, and reach up. Everybody wants to lower the bar so they can look good. Well, I'm telling you we're not here to lower the bar because Jesus is not lowering the bar. He wants us to come up where he is, not for him to come down to us. He already came down so we can get saved. Now it's time for us to go up. Let's not look to come down because he's not, the next time he comes down, he's not coming all the way down. The next time he comes down, he says, I'm going to meet you in the sky. So his feet will not touch the ground anymore. He will meet us in the sky. So we got to look to go up. We can't look to come down. We can't lower the bar, and so what we're looking for is to lower the bar. We want to play pity party for somebody to say, oh, it's going to be all right. No, challenge yourself. This is about eternity. Challenge yourself. Tell yourself, I'm doing all right, but I have so much more ways to go. I need to do so much better. I got some ways to go. I'm not telling you to condemn yourself. I'm not telling you to beat up on yourself. I'm telling you, don't lower the bar for yourself. When you lower the bar, you get yourself in trouble because Jesus, the Bible says he changed not. If he says be holy, he's not going to change. and says, well, you don't have to be that holy. He don't lower the bar. What he says is what he means. So let's not try to lower the bar. If we're going to be like him, we're going to have to do things well. Therefore, the goal of all Christians should be to study Jesus, learn of Jesus, and to accurately imitate Jesus. You here tonight, Brother Tim. (laughs) Brother Tim, you're messing up my Bible study tonight. Last Bible. You know, every time we have Bible study, Brother Tim, I always get something from out of our Bible study that I can share with the congregation. So a couple of weeks ago, I got something I said, well, Tim, not here. Let me tell y'all. Now you're here, I don't know if I can tell him. But in our Bible study tonight, we were talking. And we, we always talk about a lot of stuff in our, our Bible study. And I'm trying to help Tim be the best man of God he could ever be. And one of the things I tell him is this. We like to study people to learn them so we know how to get along with them. Children, let me start with that. Children study their parents so they know how to work them. They know the inflection of your voice when you're just really not mad, you're just like whatever. They know the inflection when you're agitated with them. And they know when you're flat out going to beat their butts. They study you. They know how far to push you. They know when to push you. They know when to leave you alone because they study you. So if you don't think your children know you, too bad. They know you. IJ know his parents like a book and he worked them like a champ. That's what children do. Wives know their husbands. They learn them. They know what to do, how to work them. Vice versa. But husbands don't know the wives as much as they need to let the wives know the husband. That's another story. People in general that's in relationship, they try to learn each other because you want the relationship to be good. For instance, one of your girlfriend's birthday coming up and you know that's your girlfriend, but you know your girlfriend so well, you know what would be a good gift. So you go and buy a gift that you know she would like. You learn your girlfriend. You understand your girlfriend. Why don't we do that with Jesus? Why don't we try to learn who Jesus is? Why don't we try to learn his tendencies? Why don't we learn his character? Why don't we learn these things about Jesus so we know just how to deal with Jesus? Just how to interact the right way with Jesus. Just what to do to make him happy and to please him. Why don't we do that? And guess what? Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your friend, they don't have no whole book written about them. You're following me? You're following me? Jesus have a whole book written about him, plus he talked to you and communed with you, we will not have any excuse as to why we couldn't learn him, know him, and understand how to follow him. We won't have any excuses because we learn how to follow our parents, what to do with our parents, what to do with our children, what to do with all of our relationships. We learn how to make those things work. So if we're not working right with Jesus, it ain't his fault because he gave us a whole book and he gave us prayer and he gave us his spirit. <laughs> it is possible to become like Jesus. Somebody say amen. Because we want to think that, uh, you know, he got in the flesh, you know, uh, what I admire above so many other things about our Lord and Savior. When he became man He didn't use his godly ability to overshadow who he was as a man. He really did operate like a man. How do you know that, preacher? Because when he was being crucified, he could have shut it down. Which many of us in the flesh had that kind of authority and power, we would have shut it down. When people treated him wrong, he could have did something about it. When he was hungry, he could have did supernatural, something supernatural, so he wouldn't be hungry. But as God, he, he, he was able to still be God and do what God is supposed to do. But as man, he never uses godly power to overpower the ability of man. That's powerful. Because that means that you have all the authority in the world that you walk around every day, you can change anything, you can do anything, and yet and still you say, because I'm like everybody else in the world, I'm not going to do anything other than what they do. You need to think about that. That is very special and and very great about our God, that he never uses power to say, look at me, see, I'm different from y'all. I'm different from y'all. I'm God, so I can do this. He never did it. He lived just like you and I, act just like you and I, and that's why we get all of this stuff with him praying and answering his own prayer, and we getting all you know, confused about all this. It's not confusing. What it comes down to, I always try to, I get these revelations I try to share with you. What it comes down to is he did not usurp the God power into his life as man. He never did that. Because then he would have disqualified himself as he walked this earth to say he was who he said he was. He would disqualify himself because all of us would sit back and say, you were operating unfairly. That's what we would be able to say. If he would have done anything that was quote unquote God things, we would have been like, no, nah, that's unfair. But watch this. Everything that he did while he walked the earth. We can do because he made sure it's things that all mankind could do. So just like he prayed, we can pray. Just like he spoke and things happen, we can speak and things happen. He did all the things that man could do if they would stay connected to God. All right, that might have went over your head. I'll come back. So it is very possible to be like Jesus. I didn't say to be like God. Now, Jesus is God, but Jesus as God walked as man. So, as man, we can be like him. It is possible to become like Jesus. John apparently affirmed it when he wrote this. Look in 1 John 4 and 17. 4 and 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. How Jesus governed himself and operated in this world, we can be just the same. All right, every time the bar is established, we get quiet. Because we don't want the bar to be like that. We want the bar to. Be very easy for us to accomplish. Paul apparently agreed with it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. That text says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, our goal, in case we don't know, is that we should become like Jesus. Why would Jesus say we need to become like him if we can't become like him? Are we calling him a liar? Oh, you know, that's impossible to be like Jesus. Then you're calling him a liar. If you think you can't be like Jesus, you're calling Jesus a liar for saying that he can, we can be like him. <laughs> Paul was indicating that the manner and the attitude of Jesus is still the measure of spiritual growth and maturity for every believer. Yes. In John 15, part of scripture that we read, Jesus commanded us to abide in him so we could be the extension of him. We're getting somewhere tonight. In Jesus' metaphor, the vine is an extension of the branch. Who could say where the branch ends and where the vine begins? You can't even see it because the vine is inside the branch anywhere. So how do you know where what started and where what ends at? Jesus could have said, you be the oranges... And I will be the apples. That would probably be more normal than it because we certainly are just so different from him in who we are. But he's trying to make us like him. But he didn't say that. The branch and the vine are of the same substance one supplying the other with a constant flow of resources and influence so as to accurately represent the DNA and the purpose of the branch. Jesus challenged us to keep our lives attached to his in every way. And he stressed that without this vital connection... We can do nothing. So without the vital connection of us to him and him to us, nada. No bueno. Can't get nothing done. And so if we are vines growing out from his branch, then it should be difficult for others to discern where he ends and where we begins and let me say it this way if we are the branch which we are and he is the vine growing within us then folks shouldn't be able to tell so easily who is Jesus and who are you because they're they're like the same they're intertwined they're they're connected so so as they grow together, as they're, they're 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 doing what they do together, it's not easily identified. What's well, where's the vine and what's the branch doing? You can't see all of that. So we're supposed to be just that closely related to the Lord Jesus Christ as people of God. Jesus's declaration that without Him we can do nothing means we cannot accomplish any eternal purpose strictly through our human effort. Was it the book of Galatians where the apostle Paul said, Oh foolish Galatians, you began in the spirit, but you want to finish in the flesh. You, what we are about is something spiritual and we can't repent of our sins, get baptized in Jesus name, Get filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, meaning the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us and we have this supernatural power that's not from here dwelling in us. And all of a sudden now we're going to say, yeah, but I'm going to still try to do things naturally. When supernatural has taken you over, when supernatural make you powerful and natural make you regulated. But we're doing it. We're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have God dwelling on the inside, but we're struggling and we're doing all kind of, uh, fleshly things to to, to try to uh, uh, demonstrate that we are somebody or to try to demonstrate our abilities. Once you get the spirit of God in you, oh, all flesh ability don't even matter. I could care less about that because now I got the supernatural power dwelling inside of me. What do I care about flesh anymore? Flesh is very low. Flesh is so sinful, but the spirit is the power of God. And we don't have to worry about a thing if we let God's power rule in us. Why are we even worried about flesh once the Spirit of God dwells in us? Mm -hmm. And so that's what Jesus means when he says, without me you cannot accomplish anything. It means you cannot accomplish anything that's worthy. Because everything that flesh accomplished will one day have no meaning. I know you're thinking, well, what about science and what about this? Yes, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So everything that we see will one day pass away, but his spirit and his word will never pass away. So it doesn't matter what we create in this world. It doesn't matter how smart and brilliant we are. It doesn't matter what kind of things we come up with in this world and say, look at what we've contributed to the world. And that's great. And that's wonderful. We need to contribute to our world. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is the only thing that will last will be the word of God and the spirit of God. That's what will last. Flesh and blood won't last. Buildings won't last. Nothing on this earth will last except for God's spirit and God's word. Could the Lord Jesus be imitating or uh, in- intimating that when we are without him, without his power at work in us, then we are doing are, then what we are doing is not him, which means we're doing nothing. When we're not doing anything that's pertaining to God, we really ain't doing nothing. We're really not doing nothing. Now, before you jump to conclusion, before you jump to conclusion, if you live your life based on I'm doing it unto the Lord, that changes everything. So if I treat you good because I'm doing it unto the Lord, that changes than me just trying to be nice so you can appreciate me. Fine line. Fine line. So I'll say that again. Some of us treat people nice because we want people to treat us nice. Some of us treat people nice because we want people to say, you're so nice. That's not of God what is of god is i'm going to treat you nice and it doesn't matter how you treat me <laughs> you see the difference so so you can do the same act but the motive behind the act determines what it, how it will last, how, what kind of effect it will have because if you did it out of a motive of selfishness, it will not last. But if you did it out of a motive of godliness and wanting to please God, then now you are doing godly stuff. Paul said in Romans 8 and 9, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's that that that's a powerful statement right there. Always, you know, when I was um young in the Lord, I used to love to use that. Because, you know, I'm on the streets, I'm preaching in the streets, I'm door knocking, and every once in a while, you know, people get on your nerves.
0: <laughs>
1: and so because I wasn't such a seasoned, polished Christian. When they got on my nerves, I said, "Well, I'm telling you this one. I'm telling you this right now. If you ain't born again of the water and of the Spirit, you ain't none of God's." What you talking about? I, 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 I confessed and I believe, I said, "Yeah." And did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Well, what you talking about? I feel the Spirit, so I know I got the Spirit. I said, "If you ain't got the Spirit, like the Bible says, the Bible says you're none of His." That's how I was rolling back then. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, I may, you know, I'm sorry. But I was just hardcore, coming strong. I mean, I'm, just, I'm chopping up the word, boom, boom, boom. You say some kind, I'm just bringing word. This word was like a weapon for real to me. The Bible called it a sword, and I was really using it like a sword. I, 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 I wasn't polished. I, I, was, I was coming hard. And so all these, those people that ran into me back then, Boy, they went away with their tail between their legs because I was bringing the smoke. I wasn't thinking about your feelings. I was just bringing the smoke, just bringing the word. Just word, word, word. And it, you know, is the word. So, you know, what can you say? But that wasn't the way I was supposed to bring the word. Thank you, God, that I made it this far. You didn't just strike me down for being so aggressive with the word of God. Of course, we understand that this statement Refers to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Watch this church. But being filled with the Holy Spirit does not guarantee the immediate manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our life. Some people get filled with the Holy Spirit and and, and, and it doesn't manifest right away in their life. Yes, the initial evidence that you spoke with tongue is a manifestation that, okay, we know you have the Spirit. But I've been in places where I saw for myself, people spoke with tongues and they still was still a little certain kind of way with people. I didn't see the change immediately. Because when you get God in you, you have to learn what God is doing so you can work with God in your life. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Being filled and being controlled by the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. No amen. I thought amen mean I agree with what you say. So when I don't hear amen to me, you don't agree. So I have to Elaborate. So being filled with the Spirit is not the same as being led, controlled of the Spirit. Many people have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, but they're still doing what they want to do. It doesn't mean they don't have the Spirit. It means they're still in control of their own life. Because God never tried to be anything but a gentleman to us. So while we were uh, just just, just wanting and seeking his spirit and he filled us with his spirit It's because we asked of him. We said, God, I want your Holy Spirit. We said, God, I worship you. We say, God, I adore you. And he filled us with his spirit and we began to sp- speak with tongues. We asked for that. And so we have his spirit. But now we start walking around and we start doing what we want. I think I'm going to go over here. Ain't ask God nothing, they ain't pray about nothing. God in me, but I'm doing what I want. And when somebody get on my nerves, I let them have a peace of my mind. I didn't check with God. God in me, but I still do what I want. It's possible because God only work off of us giving him the ability to work in our lives. If we want to shut him down, he will stay shut down. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why are you standing at the door knocking, God? You almighty God. As a matter of fact, I read when Thomas was talking junk, you just appeared by walking through the wall. So you don't have to stand at no door. You can walk through the door without a door even opening. But you decide to stand at the door and knock. If it ain't his house, he ain't ain't going in. He knocking because it ain't his Your house for right now, you are in control of it. And he will not invade your house. You got to let him in. And when you let him in, if you let him sit on the couch and don't do nothing, that's on you. Come on, God. I want you in my life. We received the Holy Ghost. And we received the Holy Ghost. And now he in the house. Chill right there. Chill right there. Chill right there. Chill right there. You ready for some more? Mary. Let him up in the house. Martha, let him up in the house. Martha, decide, Still, you sit over on the couch, I'm going to make you this great feast. Just chill over there. And Mary said, ain't no way. This joker up in my house, and I'm not going to listen to him. Y'all can do whatever y'all want to do, but I'm sitting right here. He's sitting on the couch, and I'm sitting on the floor. Talk to me, Jesus. You see the difference? He can be in your house, and you don't allow him to do nothing in the house. So that's what I mean by people can have the Holy Spirit and their life is not changed because they're not letting him work in their life. So stop thinking that when somebody is just crazy as can be as a Christian, stop thinking that, man, I can't believe they got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, they got the Holy Ghost. They just decide that the Holy Ghost don't have me. Help us, Holy Ghost. I know spirit-filled be- believers who do not represent Christ well in attitude, how they treat other people, or how they live their personal life, but they have the Holy Ghost. Let's not say that, man. They so messed up. Ain't no way they got to... Don't say that, please. If they have the Holy Spirit and they don't allow the Holy Spirit to have them, then it's just, that's just the way it is. God is a gentleman, and he don't force you to obey him. He don't force you to do anything that you don't want to do. How tragic. It is for believers to have been filled with the Spirit, but the Spirit doesn't have them. Well, we think he gave us the Spirit anyway. He know he want us to be saved to the end and he got to give us something supernatural for us to make it to the end because we can't make it on natural ability. We need supernatural power to take us to the end. And so he gave us his spirit and says, not only am I giving you my word, but I'm giving you my spirit. And guess what? Between my word and my spirit, if you just obey me, you're going to make it to the end. You don't have to worry about a thing. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, the devil will be mad and try to come against you. But you have my word and my spirit. If you obey the leading of the spirit, if you obey the word, you will be fine. You will make it to the end. Zechariah 4 and 6 says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, (laughs) saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I, I threw verse 7 in there just so you can see this. This is Zerubbabel. Who art thou, O great mountain? I'm just stopping right there. Because if you have God's spirit in you, that's how you talk. Young people, you got God's spirit in you, that's how you flex. Who art thou, great mountain, to think you're going to stop me? I got greater in me that is in this world, and so I'm going to tell mountain, be thou I'm going to tell that sycamore tree, be thou plucked up by the roots and go yonder. Because greater is he that is in me than he or me that's in the world. That's how it work, And so if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can walk around with a little, you know, pep in our step. We can walk around with a little, you know, just... I got this. I got this. Not because I am who I am, but because he is who he is. <laughs> Not everyone who receives adoption by the Spirit is also led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit of Christ should be the byproduct of being filled with the Spirit. We should seek to be led of the Spirit in every Kingdom endeavor, great or small. Once we get saved, we need to be led by the Spirit. Can I tell you this that I've picked up on and it's it's very interesting. I've picked up on how, you know, God doesn't change. Yes, we know that. And so while times have changed and we feel like we have to speed things up a little bit. Because everything is moving so fast, somehow we allow that kind of behavior to infiltrate the spiritual life. AI, artificial intelligence, ain't got nothing on the spirit. We're panicking and we're worrying about everything about AI, nothing on the spirit. For the spirit knew AI was coming, before AI knew AI was coming. So, so we don't have to worry about playing catch up. We don't have to worry about, you know, how are we going to survive? How are we going to make it? It's always been that way, church, where there are people all around that feel like, you know what? I'm old and this world is changing. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, here's how you're going to do it. By the word and by the spirit of God. That's how you're going to do it. Because nothing in this world is greater than the spirit of God. What do our lives look like when we are led by the Spirit of Christ? What do our life look like when we're led by the Spirit? Well, since we don't have a whole lot of people's life, including mine, that might not look the way we th- it should look, how about we look at the life of Christ? Because he walked in the Spirit every day. All right. Yes, sir. Thanks. Appreciate it. Amen. I'm just saying it. Do y'all agree? I'm just giving you, you know. So so, so Jesus walked in the spirit every day. When he walked this earth, he was walking the spirit every day. So watch this. Everything Jesus touched or spoke to instantly improved. At the touch of his hand or the sound of his life-giving words or the moment he made a decision, people were healed. Delivered, Improved, uplifted, increased, or taken to a new level. What impact does our touch have? What happens to the atmosphere in the room when we walk in or we open our mouths? Does our decisions tend to turn things around or turn things right side up? If the wellness of Jesus is our model, our influence supposed to look like His influence. Ooh, I'm challenging myself. You can sit there and 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 and, and keep telling yourself that ain't possible. That ain't, you can tell yourself that. I'm challenging myself that if the goal is, which I read in the Word, that we're supposed to be like Him, then guess what? If He healed the sick. I'm supposed to be able to lay hands to heal the sick. If he prayed and people got delivered, I'm supposed to pray and people get delivered. If he caused people's lives to be better when he showed up, it's supposed to be the same. I want to be like him. Not because I want to say, look at me, but because I want to say, I'm being who he says I'm supposed to be. Are you kidding me? I want to be like Jesus. Because to be honest with you, that's the only way we're going to be fruitful. That's the way we will grow if every day we set our sights on being like Jesus. That's how we will grow because we have gone too much to the left that we're doing all sort of discussions now. We have so many discussions these days. I wish we would just have more prayer time and consecration time than we have discussion time because I'm sure consecration time and prayer time and reading time will produce greater power and greater a demonstration than discussions. Oh boy. <coughs> I hear the stories. <coughs> I hear the stories. Of course I'm coming from because of the times. And the good one of the good things about because of the times, they always talk to you about the the, 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 the guys that was back in the day. And I love that because the Bible might have been around a long time, but the things that transpire in the Bible is still happening today. The Bible might have been around a long time, but the things that happens or happened back then in the Bible is still happen to, happening today. And so when you get around these, these, these great men of God and you hear them talk about some, they, they, they said G.A. Mangan prayed seven hours a day. Seven hours a day the man prayed. Oh, preacher, who can do that? Well, obviously, he quit his job and he gave all to Christ. And so he when he woke up in the morning, you know, we run errands, you know, we gotta do little things here, little things there. Guess what he did? He went to the house of God and he prayed. Seven hours. And when he got done, he had revivals. And before he touched people, Holy Ghost, he spoke the things and it just started happening. So I might be talking crazy to y'all tonight because y'all ain't never heard of nothing like that. But I know I read the Bible and it happened. And I have credible men that testified about what they saw other men that consecrated and gave their life to God, what they did. I hope we are not disappointed when we finally leave this place and thinking that we are good to go. Because we thought what we were doing was good enough. We think what we're doing, how we're living is good enough. And we're going to get a shocker that it wasn't good enough. Because who told us it was good enough? We want God on our terms. That's why we think it's good enough. Every building Jesus entered manifested a positive change in the atmosphere by the time he exited, including the temple cleansing, the synagogue, frequent frequent healings, Zacchaeus' house, salvation and restitution, Peter's house, his mother-in-law was healed, Jairus' house, his daughter raised from the dead, or even his own tomb, he got up out of there. Every room he entered into, Something changed when Jesus entered that room. We're supposed to be like him. Just in case we missed it. We're supposed to be like Jesus. So when we enter any place, something better happen. Or something is supposed to happen. And it's not a figment of our imagination. It can happen because we're supposed to be like him. Matter of fact. What I'm saying here to you tonight is probably one of the reasons why we're not seeing certain things. We have watered down God's word. We have watered down the things of God. And so we have just start, just in our behavior, in our actions, start making it seem like, ah, you know, those things are not, you know, common. We're starting to sound, oh God, forgive me. We're starting to sound like some of the Baptist believers. You know what the Baptist believer says? The Holy Spirit is just for some people. That's how apostolics is behaving now. Some of these things that we read in the Bible, that's just for some places, some churches, some people. Why? Because we've decided that we want to do it, we want to live for God in a chill way. We want to live for God on our terms. And because we're living for God on our terms, we're not seeing the results that God says. So we just start to say within our mind and it comes out in our actions that, you know what, Uh, you know, that's just for some other time. And that's just for some people that, you know, God calls specifically. Every time Jesus spoke to hurting people, healing, revelation followed. Go and sin no more. Go show yourselves to the priests. Give To give me to drink. Behold my hands, my side. Father, forgive them. Listen to me. Faithfulness is not always fruitfulness. In John 15, Jesus made it clear that he is the fruit inspector. When he examines the branch... Of our life, he is looking for one thing. What is he looking for on the branch? Fruit. He's not looking for anything else on the branch. Now, in order to produce fruit that will remain, because that's what he says, one must be faithful. However, one can be faithful in some respects but not fruitful. There are wonderful saints of God who come to church twice a week, give their tithes, serve in ministry, and don't cause no trouble. That may show faithfulness, but not necessarily fruitfulness. Someone can be faithful without be fruitful, but the presence A fruit always demonstrates faithfulness. If we demonstrate, if fruit is shown on our branch, then it means that we've been faithful. You can't produce fruit if you weren't faithful. But you can be faithful and not produce fruit. Let me finish up here with you. A branch of itself is weak and useless. Isn't it interesting, man? I get so interested in the Bible, what it says. I, I if I just could just sit all day and just dig in the scriptures, I could do that because I get so just intrigued by the Bible. Like, why are you used? Because God doesn't do anything by accident. Everything is intentional. So when he used the branch as as a metaphor, just believe me when I tell you it's not just because it's a reason behind it. So think about it. A branch in itself is useless. He calls the branch. Didn't he say without me you can do nothing? But a branch by itself is useless. As a matter of fact. It went on to talk about when a branch is by itself, it's gathered together, bundled up, thrown in the fire. That's what we call wood, right? Isn't that what we call wood branches that's been cut down? (laughs) Okay, we don't like that boy. (laughs) When, when, When it gets right up in our grill, we start to say, oof. It is good for either bearing or burning. Branch, bearing or burning. No in between for the branch. Huh. The branch cannot produce its own life. It must draw that life from the vine. Again, just where the branch? Where the branch? Where the branch? And how dare us think that we can produce life on our own. It is our communion with Jesus Christ through the spirit that makes possible the bearing of fruit. The sooner we as believers discover that we are branches, the better we will relate to the Lord. For we will know our own weakness and confess our need for his strength. If we get to a place where we start telling ourselves we're just a branch, maybe that'll make us pray a little bit more. M- maybe that'll make us consecrate ourselves to the Lord a little bit more. M- maybe that will make us realize that if I'm not walking in the Spirit, I am nothing. <laughs> The word abide is used 11 times in John 15, 1 through 11, and then in John 15 and 9, and then in John 15 and 11. It means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. So when the scripture talks about abiding in Christ, it's really saying keep in fellowship with him. Fellowship is conversational. It's being in one's presence. Right? Isn't that how we fellowship? We get together. We conversate. We're in each other's presence. We let each other talk. This certainly involves reading, studying the word of God, and confession of sins. We should know when we sin and repent truly of our sins because sin hinders us from communion with God. How can we tell when we are abiding in Christ? I'm only going to deal with how can we tell when we're abiding. Because you will figure that if we can tell how we're abiding in Christ, then we know when we're not abiding in Christ. You can figure that out, right? So how can we tell when we're abiding in Christ? Is there a special feeling? No. But there are special evidences that appear and they are unmistakably clear. Uh Uh-huh. For one thing, when we're abiding in Christ, we produce fruit. So sometimes we focus too much on results. And I'm closing up. I'm going to finish up here. We 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 rely on results. And I've told you many times, results is up to God. And if we will take the pressure off ourselves and think that we have to produce results, then we will do a whole lot better in producing fruit because we realize the way to produce fruit is just to have fellowship with him it's just to remain in him study his word spend time with him in prayer and take time to meditate on him that's how we have fellowship with him and that's how we will produce fruit we don't have to work hard to produce fruit <laughs> it is not automatic Abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ demands worship. Abiding in Christ demands meditation on his word. Abiding in Christ requires prayers and, and sacrifice and being intentional and in being a witness and serving him. Those things are important. So we can't just automatically sit still and think, I just sit good, sit still, and I abide in him. No, we must do some things. Once you have begun to cultivate the deeper communion with Christ, you have no desire to return to that shallow life anymore. Fruit. Fruit is is different from results. The word result is often heard in conversations among servants of Christ. But this is not actually a Bible concept. Results is not a biblical concept. A machine can produce results. And so can a robot. They can produce results. But it takes a living organism to produce fruit. (laughs) It takes time and cultivation to produce fruit. A good crop does not come overnight. And when we hear preaching like this, it might motivate us to say, I gotta produce fruit. Well, it doesn't come overnight. God is not interested in just here you go produce fruit. No, God is, is interested about the relationship between you and Him. That if you do it right, fruit will come. You don't have control of the results because it's not a result-driven life that we live. We live a life of relationship. We live a life of of of, of fellowship with Christ, not about what we can produce. We need to produce fruit, but producing fruit is automatic through the life that we live in Christ when we live that life the right way. All right. Some of you hear me, some of you not. So let me just finish up here. Uh, Branches, this is good. Branches don't eat fruit. I'll let you think about that for a second. We must remember that the branches do not eat the fruit. Others eat the fruit. Branches do not eat the fruit. We are the branch. Just stand there like this. You are the branch. Whatever fruit that come upon you, you can't eat it. Somebody that pass you by will eat it. Somebody in close proximity of you will eat it. Somebody takes it from you and they eat it. So the fruit that come up in your life is for somebody else, not you. Maybe that's why we're struggling to produce fruit, because we always want to profit and benefit from everything we do. Why don't we just let God use us and let people around us profit and benefit while God get the glory from our life? Oh, let's stand. Let's stand. God wants us to grow. You have a part to play, a vital part to play in the kingdom of God. Yes, you do. I don't care where you are today in your life. I don't care about your gifts and your talents. You have a vital part to play in God's kingdom. And God is calling you, I can't say us, I need you to make it personal. God is calling you to grow. He's calling you to mature. He's calling you to be fruitful. He won't force you to do it. You have to decide, yes, Lord, come on in my life. Take control in my life. Wherever you lead me, I'll follow. And then you must do all that He requires for you to do. So, all of what God wants for your life, it can be done. It's time that we start being intentional in our growth. We can't leave it to chance. Showing up two times a week in the house of God is not how you grow, it's a part of the process. But it's not how you grow. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to do the things that God wants you to do. You're going to have to say, God, I will receive you on your terms and not on my terms. I can't have you the way I want, God, because my way are not like your ways. So I want to have you the way you want to have me. However that look, however that unfolds, I'm okay with it. Because I know you love me, Lord. And because you love me, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I will experience some uncomfortableness, but it's okay. That's part of the growth process. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for challenging us. I thank you, Lord Jesus for caring so much about us that while we are just lost in our own ways, doing our own things, neglecting you and caught up in the cares of this life, that you're still calling our names. You're still reaching for us. You're still trying to get us to the place where we will focus on what you've called us to focus on. Thank you for caring so much. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you, Lord, for not allowing us to just wither away and sooner or later have to be cut off of the tree and be bundled and thrown in the fire. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for caring and loving us so wonderfully that, Lord, we have this great opportunity before us. Our potential can be reached because you love and care so much for us. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, will you show us individually how to cultivate that life that you want us to have? How do we begin to, oh God, walk the path that you've set before us in our growth? in our fruitfulness. Will you show us, Lord God? Father, help us that we will not allow what's going on all around us, the cares of this life, to make us become anxious, to make us, Lord God, be discombobulated in our minds and our thinking. But Lord, will you stabilize our thoughts? Will you help us to experience your peace? And will you help us, Almighty God, to see the things that are most important in this hour? Father, help us in the name of Jesus. Help us in the name of Jesus. Help us in the name of Jesus. Show us, Almighty oh God, in the name of Jesus to fulfill the purpose that you've designed and created and called us to fulfill. Bless your people and strengthen us, Lord God. Oh God, allow us to be the conduit that you want us to be. Oh hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah hallelujah oh we love you Jesus help us oh God in our ignorance Help us, Almighty God, in our complacency. Help us, Almighty God, in our pride. Deliver us from our pride. Oh, God, we might not believe it's pride, but thinking, Lord God, that we're something that we're not, that is prideful. Thinking, Almighty God, that we don't need anybody else to help us, that is prideful. Thinking, Almighty God, that whatever we're hearing is not relevant, that's prideful. Lord, deliver us from our pride and set us free from our strongholds uh, that God we can truly be liberated and live the life that you have for us to live we want to grow in you we want to be fruitful in you we want you to receive all the honor and all the glory from our lives oh thank you Jesus Oh, God, I pray the fear of the Lord will come back into the church like it's never been, Lord. I pray the fear of the Lord where, Lord, we will humble ourselves. Lord, where you will be the priority. Where, Lord, we will just humble ourselves and give the time that is due and owed to you, Lord God. Oh, God, help us not to just do things to feel like we're doing your will. Help us to slow down. Help us, Almighty oh God, to take our time and process the things of God properly. Lord, as we go from this place tonight, keep her, keep us, keep your hands upon us. Let this word not escape us, but, oh God, I pray that we can apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great rest of your night.